0: at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. We've been spending quite a bit of time in this series on uh, helping our children, understanding how to work with them and the needs. Uh, so the last section of the text, we began to look at last time, With regard to infancy and young childhood, so from birth up to age five, I would kind of stretch that just a little bit more. Probably, Uh, the the boundaries are not you know fixed, uh, hard hard line boundaries between the groups of uh, age groups here that he has in the book, but they're general guidelines. And last time we looked at uh, child um, training objectives for the youngest of our children. This time, I want to just back up or kind of uh, you know, raise the uh, helicopter a little bit and look at the whole span of uh, working with kids from that age group, then the next age group, and then into the uh, teenage years, and just look at objectives in those areas. Not procedures, really, but just objectives and goals and what we're thinking about, how we can think about working with our kids, and uh, again, I confess, this is an area of challenge for us, for me, and I I know it is for some of you as well. Uh, There are some people who have spent a lot of time thinking about this, and uh, others of us have just kind of, you know, been dumped into the parenting thing and figured it out as we went, and uh, that's not always the best way to go, but uh, who, who teaches about parenting before you become a parent? You know, the church, I suppose... Uh, you hardly would want to take uh parenting from any secular sources today you'd get a you'd get a really misdirected kind of view of things but um yeah yeah that's that's right so you should take classes as you're doing it uh which hopefully this will be helpful at least At least you'll be able to think back if, uh, you know, you have certain circumstances come up and say, oh, we said something about that in that class. Maybe I should, uh, you know, get this book and read it again, which I would recommend. Uh, I'm going to be reading this more than two times here and uh, myself so that I can help others but also help ourselves and uh, in our home. But so remember we said the last time, I think we said anyway, that the objectives for the youngest age group is to help our youngsters understand that they are individuals living under authority, living under authority. And that is going to help set them for all kinds of authority relationships in life. If they don't understand that from the beginning, then, then more abstract forms of authority or di- more distant forms of authority are going to be lost on them. So for example, somebody who grows up without this going to find it a whole lot easier to disobey authority when it comes to traffic laws or to filing their taxes and things like that. Just like, you know, what do I have to do that for? I'm my own person. I do whatever I want to do. Uh, Not so. Uh, So we're training our youngsters to be obedient uh, and try to root out rebelliousness. Now, that's going to come back to haunt us in the teenage years, Um, but uh, hang on to that thought. So remember we said that there was that, uh, that picture that we laid out, that circle. We, he called it in his book the circle of blessing, and the child is the stick figure in the middle of that circle, and the child is honoring parents and obeying them. And if they do that, then what are the results? What's that? Blessing in general. There will be. They'll live long on the earth, and it will go well with them. So as long as they stay within that circle then there's the uh, good opportunity for them to live long on the earth and to and to have things go well with them. So that's honoring and obeying. Honoring respect and esteem for those that are in authority and obedience is willing submission to authority. One of the things that we should have in mind about that is that we know personally that submission is not a pleasant thing always you know that of yourself right boss tells you to go do some x job and you're like oh but you got to do the job right you've got to pay your taxes you've got to do whatever you know thing is that the authority is requiring so don't try to make it palatable for your kids either in the sense that you, know, you say, oh, well, it's wonderful and it's a nice thing, and you kind of sugarcoat it and put a, you know, put a bunch of frosting on it and all that sort of thing. Sometimes it just kind of is a drag. But that submission is, like we said, you ne- you know, kids never have to submit if you tell them you know, that we're going to the ice cream shop. They'll gra- gladly go with you and jump in the car and you know, be ready right quick. But when it's you know the trash and mowing the grass and that sort of thing, it's not so palatable. But the reason that you don't want to just dumb things down is that you want your youngsters to understand they need help. They need help in their heart to deal with the problem of 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 being rebellious and disobedient. So we uh, just give it like it is and don't you know reduce the uh, requirement of it. So honor, respect, and esteem, obedience, willing submission to authority. And that willing submission, you know, we talk about obedience. Uh, What's a little ditty that we sing. Uh, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Uh, but there's another part to it about obeying right away or something like that. What is it? Doing it happily. Okay, there's one. Immediately. Immediately. Thank you. I couldn't get it. couldn't spit it out. <laughs> Do it immediately. Well, uh, in the book here, he makes the uh, case that we should require obedience without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. So without delay, excuse, or challenge. And that marks what true obedience is. And remember that if you don't require, uh, you know, if you allow excuse, challenge, or delay, then you're training disobedience. You're training disobedience, okay? Just like you're sitting your kids down in front of the proverbial chalkboard and saying, This is how you disobey. Let me show you how. You know, let me tell you how. Well, you don't want to do that, obviously. We added, too, to talk about an appeal process for the youngster. So there's kind of a, an escape valve or a, what a, a pressure relief valve to the situation, you know, that you don't come in and say something that is out of turn because you don't know the total circumstances. You allow, once the children demonstrate that they can obey without challenge, excuse, delay, that you can allow them to make an appeal kindly, respectfully, as you would want with your authority if they do something that is out of sorts or inappropriate or without knowledge of the full situation. So that's the kind of youngest age group objectives. Get our kids to understand they're individuals living under authority and help them to do that, help them to see that. that, uh, Let me go back to that circle of blessing, as we call it again. Having our children understand that living outside of that circle is not just inconvenient for us as parents or a pain in the neck. What is it for them? It's dangerous for them. To live outside of that is to put themselves and their lives in danger. And consequently, for us as parents, we are given the responsibility to, I can say, drag them back into the circle, make sure they stay in the circle, train them to be in the circle of blessing, honoring and obeying so that it will go well with them and they'll live long on the earth. And it's not an option for us to say, okay, well, I'll just overlook their sin. Now I'm not suggesting that every every instance you have to be fastidious about you know confronting them on the spot. You know, you're out at the store, you might have to wait until an appropriate private moment to be able to raise the issue with them. Uh hopefully very soon they will learn that uh, the disapproving eye uh, or look will help straighten them out quickly without having to say anything, you know. So, okay, in any case, uh, the next age group is uh, how Trip has them divided up is ages 5 to 12 now, okay. By the way, I just pause and remind ourselves that We can kind of think about this as aloof, as removed from the situation, but all of us are in the middle of the situation in some ways, either parenting now, but if not, or grandparenting, but if not, we too have these same kind of tendencies. Remember, we said that Uh, rebellion against authority, not obeying God without excuse, challenge, and delay, And so these are good things for us to think about for ourselves also. So then uh, next to infancy or young childhood, there's childhood itself, ages 5 to 12, or kind of going to school uh, early, you know, elementary and middle school to puberty. And then the next section will be from that age up through the teenage years. So the objectives now in this age group are not, uh, well, let me say it this way. The objective is is to develop character and wisdom. Hopefully, hopefully the youngsters have learned to be under authority by this stage. Of course, those age, age groups are going to overlap a little bit, right? So there's always going to be a little challenge there with that. But uh, hopefully, they will be well on the way to learning uh, obedience to honor uh, and obey. But character is the big issue so and and developing wisdom and i just uh, instead of jotting down in my notes all the character traits uh, i just pointed to a point to a page here in the book it says your child char- child's character must be developed in several areas and now this is the list you want your child to learn dependability honesty kindness consideration helpfulness diligence Loyalty, humility, self-control, moral purity, and a host of other character qualities. Which I didn't sit down and think of a whole list of them, but you probably could as you run into them. So you know you want you don't want your you don't want your children to to um, exhibit selfishness, to uh, ridicule others. Uh, one of the things that I noticed is laughing at somebody else's calamity. You know, that, that's not a very loving thing, is it? Those are things that when you see them as a parent, you've got to put a pause button on things and say, hey, we don't do that. We want to develop your character to love God and love your neighbor in these ways. Uh, you know, be a person of integrity. Keep your word. Do what you say you're going to do. Um, if you can't, confess that and ask forgiveness. Uh, work hard. You know, stick at a task. Don't just give up. All kinds of character issues that need to be developed. One of the things that uh, our author here has noticed is that you can try to accomplish a oh, uh, pleasing home Arrangement by setting a bunch of rules, and he discourages that because it's going to produce Pharisees for kids. You know, they'd be able to keep the rules, perhaps. A lot of people can keep rules, right? If it, if you know, if if the peace in their life depends on it. But what happens is the outside of the cup might be looking clean, but what's on the inside? Yeah, the, 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 the sepulcher may be, you know, nicely whitewashed, painted, but it's not very good on the inside. So you don't want to produce a lot of Pharisaic uh, approaches uh, to things. Uh, he gives some examples of people who are, you know, they feel like they're rule keepers, they've got everything down, but they're intolerant of others' and others' mistakes. They have a superiority complex to others. That's not love uh, for God or love for neighbor um so this is this age 2 is about fixing non defiant not necessarily defiant behavior but wrong behavior so some of those things that i said you might encounter in your young person they're not necessarily defying a command of yours or a directive but they are Demonstrating something that is unbiblical, so you might say technically they're within that circle because they're honoring and obeying you, but they're just, you know, uh, treating mistreating other people. Okay, so they're doing what they're supposed to, so to speak, with you, but not with regard to other people. Um, one of the things that this uh, series brought to my attention. Was something that might be helpful to you, and that is for you and your spouse uh, to sit down and do a review of where your kids are, each one. He gave an interesting illustration of a man who was in retail, a manager at a store, and uh, asked the man who was the manager at the retail store, you know, what do you do about employee improvement and um, performance reviews and that sort of thing oh well we do a we do a performance review every three months and we do training you know right along to try to train sales techniques and, and approaches and things like that or maybe uh, you can imagine um, sales training in terms of what the products are that are available and what the features of those products are and stuff like that. Uh, we we went out on Friday for our anniversary and went to a nice restaurant and talked to a nice uh, server there. And she uh, said that when she came, they wanted her to try all the uh, items on the menu. And uh, that would be a really bad job, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was a very good restaurant. But uh, so the desserts and uh, some of the main dishes. And um, so she had to be trained on, you know, so she could talk to the customer about what this, what this is like, you know, if, if you like this kind of meal or this kind of dish or whatever, you'd like this and so on. So she was quite expert about that stuff. Um, the question then comes, so how often do you review the performance of your home and of your children, manager of said store, admitted i've never done that but which is more important your sales associates and their performance or your children and your performance as parents so he offers uh three areas to kind of evaluate your children and and i would say I just set that aside for a moment you we probably should in a in more of a non-confrontational more of a planned way evaluate our performance as parents husband to wife and wife to husband Uh, you know how 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 do performance evaluations happen most times I'm I'm guessing when something bad happens then you're kind of you know like this and you didn't do this right and all that and it doesn't uh, doesn't help us to to stop and reflect and, you know, try to make plans for improvement. It's just, it becomes all negative. But we should look at it more as a positive and handle it more that way. So there should be some review of parents. But also uh, with the children. So the child's relationship to God, the child's relationship to others, and the child's relationship to himself. So you might have a piece of paper and you have three boxes on there, child's relationship to God, self, others, and then think about those categories. Now, child, the child's relationship to God, I don't want you, neither does Trip want you to think about that in terms of the evangel question. Okay? It's not enough to say, Is my, has my child made a profession of faith or not? Okay. That's, of course, an important question, but the question really more deeply has to deal with, how does my child think of God? How does my child uh, exhibit a care for God in daily life? How, do they, do they, do, are they able to apologize? Are they able to confess sin? Are they able to admit that they're wrong? Are they able to show that there's some um, wisdom from God's word that has in, infiltrated their mind, and they're making decisions and thinking about things that way? You see what I'm saying? It's not just this kind of binary question, like, oh, they're fine with God because they profess faith when they were X years old. That's it's important, as I said, but in a sense, it's almost irrelevant because what you want to look at is, okay, is there fruit? Is there real fruit there in their life? And if there's no fruit there, then you know what I would say about their profession of faith. I'm going to call a little bit of question on that. I'm not afraid to do that. I mean, I have three boys and I'm living it, you know, but, and it's difficult because obviously we want all of our kids. I mean, think about it. You, don't, you, you, you think you're not going to see one or more of your children in heaven for all eternity? That's unthinkable. But it's possibly real for many of us in this room. But that's not going to, you're not going to mollify your conscience by just saying, well, they prayed a prayer with me when they were six and there's no fruit now when they're 11, and they're always angry or they never respond properly, never show honor and esteem and obedience and all that, that shows that the spirit of God is not producing fruit there. That hurts, man. I'm telling you, it does. But that's, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, child review here. Um, let me see if I can find this section. Yeah, so the child in relationship to God. So just a few other thoughts. Um, is your child living in a conscious need for God, and what is the content of his relationship with God? Is he concerned to know and love God? Here's, the, here's, here's one. What is their attitude towards God's Word? Do they read it? Do they want to read it? Do they turn to God for strength, comfort, and help? Do they make choices that reflect knowing God? or Are they moved by God's ways and truth? Is he alive to spiritual realities? Does he have an independent relationship with God that is not one where he's just riding on your coattails? Is there a desire to go to church? That sort of thing. Um, Are there false gods before which your child bows? What are things without which he cannot be happy? What things other than God seem to motivate him? If he were to finish this sentence, what I really want or long for or desire or esteem is blank. What's in the blank for your kid, your son or your daughter? Does he ever talk about God? Does he ever talk with God? Pray, in other words. Does he, does he think about the Lord? Is God for him small or big? Uh, is he a friend, a judge, a helper, a taskmaster? He, you know, see, see how that is? I mean, you could just take all these and just ask them and, and write, down, write down on that piece of paper, you know, every six months or every year um, what you think. What about the child in relationship to himself? This is the second area of kind of performance evaluation. Um, and one of the areas that he talks about here, which is interesting, is does your youngster understand their own strengths and weaknesses? Like you might understand some of their strengths and weaknesses. You see that they get angry easily or they um, depend on others for affirmation unduly. You know, uh, I don't know brain is not thinking of all kinds of other characteristics, but maybe you think of some just now. Things that your children are like, indifferent to, um, you know, others. This is kind of more bleeding into the next section, but uh, are they self-focused? You know, everything's about themselves. Uh, If they don't know what their weaknesses are, then what? They can't Compensate for them or shore up those areas or or recognize sometimes you don't recognize some of those things until you're an adult, right and then you've gone through a lot of maybe cycles of dealing with things that you could have dealt with earlier had you known that tendency. Um, that would be good if if you could speak frankly with your young people about those things. So, shore up the weaknesses, play to the strengths uh, and and that sort of thing. then finally, the child in relationship with others we're still in the middle age group here, although this obviously can apply to any of the ages uh, you know in relation to others how does how does he relate to other people in terms of school relationships, if you have that in terms of church relationships, are they uh controlling or bossy or, um, you know, uh, unable to interact with others or, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, what kinds of things do they bring out in others? Does he depend on the attention of others, a real attention seeker, and so on? So these may profitably do in your review of your youngsters. I think that deals with the objectives now. This is a very high-level overview of uh, the childhood, or ages 5 to 12, roughly. Then the teenage years. Teenage years, some of us have children in all three of these age groups, some in one or more of them. So the teenage years, so puberty on up uh, to when they leave the home. Okay, So this could extend into some you know, early 20 era uh, time frame in their life. So what about objectives? Well, we're going back now to what I said earlier, that there may be something that is left of rebellion or that re- reappears in the young person's life when they become a teenager. Uh, and it's this rebellion that's deeper than the circumstances in which the children find themselves. I, I've sensed this myself, and I've heard it too or parents will do things make explanations for their kids behavior like they just had something <clears throat> they had something happen in their life uh there was a you know we uprooted them from school and had to move so now they're acting out or i don't know various circumstances you could imagine somebody died or something and those things can become an excuse. We think of, well, that excuses or that's the reason for their conduct. What you have to realize is that rebellion does not come from outside. Where does it come from? It comes from the heart. So the rebellion is deeper than circumstances. Let me share with you this uh, statement that uh, was interesting He said, I'm always amazed at how quickly defiant teens find each other. The rebellious teen who is new to a school will find the fellow rebels before the first recess. (laughs) Why is this? A teen falls in with rebellious company because he is a rebel. It's not the other way around, it's, it's not that he becomes a rebel because of the company that he keeps. Obviously, that's, we're not saying that there's no effect of the company that you keep, evil, evil company corrupts good habits, but there's a latent rebelliousness inside of the heart that expresses itself, especially when it's untethered uh, or unconstrained by parental authority, or at least seemingly so at various moments in uh, the young person's life. So when a a young person gets out on his own living without his parents, he begins to give expression to that rebellion if it hasn't been addressed properly. And parents, he says, uh, seem to be taken by surprise when actually the rebellion has been dormant or latent for years. And You ought to be able to see that in your young person when they're, say, 7, 8, 9, 10. You can see that rebelliousness there. And if you don't do anything about it, guess what it's going to be when it's 17 or 19. Uh, Let's look, finally, this morning at Proverbs 1. And when you're teaching your teenagers... Proverbs is good. We're reading through Proverbs as a family now. We just read in chapter 10 last evening. And in Proverbs 1, starting in verse 7, we get three uh, topics, if you will, of which to speak about with our kids, three focus points, if you will. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, that's number one. So the fear of the Lord is the number one element we want to speak with our kids about. We want to instill in them the idea that they are accountable before God, not just me as dad or mom, but God. Not even just government, although they need to be good citizens, they need to be trained to obey the the laws of the land and so on. But they need to fear God, first of all. And the illustration, uh, this was helpful. Uh, I want to get this right. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Yeah, it was uh, the, uh, you know, the the smile God loves you bumper sticker. You've seen that before? Uh, Our author here says, I'd like to see a bumper sticker that says, Tremble, God is a consuming fire. (laughs) Yeah. Bumper sticker theology, as uh, Pastor Steve Anderson talked about, could could always be improved. And uh, certainly, you know, smile, God loves you. That's a nice message, but uh, the God with whom we have to do is a consuming fire, and he will judge the wicked. The second item is to listen to the instruction of your parents. Now, this seems impossible for you if you have a teenager, perhaps, but the ideal that the Bible sets forth is a home in which the parents love the children, the parents have wisdom, the parents instill that in the children, and the children appreciate that because they know that they're loved and they have a stable home environment to be in. Proverbs eight, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. We make the point here that The people in the young person's life that are most caring, most concerned, most able to help them are their parents, okay? Because they know all about them. They've known them for longer than the child has known him him or herself. So adherence to parental uh, wisdom and instruction. So that's number two. Let me keep reading. Uh, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. There's the third area, okay? Three areas, fear the Lord. Listen to your parents. And thirdly, don't go with wicked people. Okay? The author in our book here uses the word disassociation. I'll just use the bad fundamentalist word. You know what that word is? Separation. Separation. People don't want to talk about separation. You need to separate yourself from evil. Disassociate yourself. One of the things that he points out here is the community that comes from people who are sinners, they also have community. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Here it is, cast your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. You know, we're all together in this. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Young, young people are finding their way into you know gangs and things in uh, the cities because there are authority figures in those gangs. there are there's community there. There's things they do together. Uh, obviously, you know, it's not good, but there are those things that they may not have had in their home if they had no father, if they had no parents that were active in training and instructing them. And so they might find something there that they like. If you've seen a depiction, I've seen a couple of depictions in movie format of this sort of thing where young people are inducted into gangs and they may go through that kind of hazing part of it, you know, the initiation rite and that sort of thing. But once they're in, they're in. And somebody has their back and they have a a level of, of togetherness and and that sort of thing should be in the family and in the church. You don't need anywhere else to have that in in the young people's lives. So fear the Lord, adhere to parents, disassociate or separate from wicked people. So the fear of God, what is the young person going to worship? It's not a question of if they're going to worship. They will worship. Young people will worship um, probably practically themselves, but they might have idols, you know, out there, Uh, you know, sports figures or people they want to be like or, you know, whatever. Um, Fear of man. Fear of man brings a snare, doesn't it? The Scripture says that. Proverbs 29, I think it is 25, uh, that mentions that. But that's a bondage. So if you have fear of anything other than God, that's bondage. Fear of God actually is a kind of freedom. Um, As far as adhering to parents, just kind of going back over those three again, we want to enrich our young person's wisdom to to abandon the wisdom of your parents. Okay? See, because all of our youngsters are upstairs with John, I should have him teach this to them. To abandon the wisdom of your parents is lunacy. It's crazy. Well, of course, it's dangerous, and, and it puts you outside of the circle of that of blessing if you're dis- disregarding what they teach, really. Uh, you know, and it's funny that it's because we're so self-focused, we tend to forget, like, you know, my dad was 24 when I was born. So by the time that I began to be paying attention to things at all, let's say I was five, if I was very, you know, uh, alert and all of that, he's about 30 years older than I am and has had all of that experience and all of that interaction with God and his word and all of the interaction in the church. And uh, that's a long time from 30 to zero. That's a lot of experience. Now, that's not to say that after a young person, if they apply themselves for some time, can't even outstrip their parents in terms of wisdom. You know, uh, young people can be wiser than their teachers in school, for example, if they have the wisdom of God. Um, Okay, and then... uh, well, we talked about a little bit more about the separation thing. So that togetherness is not good if, if the people that they're together with are evil. You want to have them together with people that are good people. And may I add too that um, because uh, being a teenager, being a teenager does offer some real challenges. <laughs> uh, you might recall yourself in that mind, mindset at that time in your life. And trying to figure out, trying you know, the, the sometimes deep embarrassments, the uh, lack of knowledge and wisdom, and uh, the naivete, and um, wanting to fit in, and peer pressure, which is by the way just fear of man, right? That's all it is, instead of fear of God. Uh, that it, it's it's difficult, and we need to accommodate that difficulty and recognize that our kids are in the midst of that, but. We want to help them to find their place in the adult world? Help them to be adults. Level them up. Level up their conversation, what they're talking about, how they talk, uh, the wisdom with which they approach things, and all of that. So you, you you just you're trying to move them to that direction. Okay, not keep them down in the you know the 11 year old phase for too long. Keep on moving. All right. Those are objectives for the three different age groups. Let's pray here this morning as we close. Father, thank you that we could talk about these things a little bit more. Uh, Help us to apply some of the things that we've learned here today and to carry on for another week or two in our study and, and cover some more things. Lord, it's a huge task, and it's a very great burden on my heart for my own self and for our church family that we would have success in this, and that we'd be able to help more families, too, with the task of rearing children and raising young adults in this wicked and perverse generation. We pray your help in Jesus' name. Amen.